0: Hello, fellow Robo Capitals. Hope you're well. So, in the news today, Tyson Foods getting crushed, crushed, and I think it's a great example of the bullwhip effect working its way through the economy. Let's go right to this story from Zero Hedge and check it out. Title: And now, food deflation? Question mark. U.S. food giant Tyson tumbles on falling beef, chicken prices, sliding pork demand. So my first thought is, okay, is this because our price is falling because of lack of demand or because an oversupply, i.e. bull-up effect? The largest U.S. Well, I guess the bull-up effect would be a little bit of both, wouldn't it? So anyway, let me keep moving on or let me go through this article here, then we'll connect some dots. When I actually have enough information to comment, (laughs) the largest U.S. meat company, Tyson Foods, Badly missed Wall Street estimates for quarterly profit on Monday, and it cut its expectations for operating margins this year in the face of falling, yes, falling, beef prices, easing demand for pork, and an ongoing crash in chicken prices as a result of overproduction. Oh, my gosh, we're seeing all this demand. We don't realize it's because of stimmy checks and PPP. We don't realize it's because of all of these temporary circumstances. And therefore, we're going to grow way more chickens. We're going to produce much more meat. We're going to send it out to the stores because people are just buying, 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 buying. We don't understand that it's a sugar rush created by the government. Let's keep going. They say sales rose 2.5% to $13.26 billion in in three months ending in December 30. First, missing analysts averaged estimates of 13.52. So I guess they did have a sales increase, but it was nowhere near. Well, I guess it was near, but it was uh, definitely missed the targets for Wall Street and for into Insider Pros. Adjusted earnings of $0.85 cents per share were much lower than the expectations of $1.33 dollar thirty three. As first quarter earnings... Wow, so their margins really got squeezed. As first quarter earnings plunged 70% from a year ago and missed expectations. The reason? A $1.3 billion hit from cost of goods sold. There there you go. (laughs) Price mix as cost of goods sold rose while margins selling prices shrank. Huh. So what's happening is... The corporation, their input costs increase while demand for their product or the demand supply balance wasn't what they expected. I say demand because uh, demand could have increased, or excuse me, demand could have decreased relative to supply. You see, if demand is staying the same, but supply goes way, way up, well, demand decreases relative to, to supply, but demand itself is still flat. So bottom line here is they're selling a lot less than they expected. Therefore, they have higher inventory and their input costs have increased. Therefore, they're probably have to, having to decrease prices. And all of this combined is, is just crushing their margins. Huh. Wow, that is something to really think through. And what's fascinating is their input costs, which are probably pretty fixed are increasing and there's just really nothing they can do about it. It makes you kind of wonder what would prompt their input costs to decrease. I guess when the the retailers start going out of business, the wholesalers have to do the same thing at their at at their level, right? Where they're having to decrease their prices because of demand because demand goes down and their margins get squeezed. But right now, I'm just Looking at this at surface level, it seems as though the wholesalers are maintaining their margins and saying, Hey, retailer, you need to take the hit. It says results were bad all around, Credit Suisse said in a note, and the CEO did not disagree. We got hit in month, we got hit in the mouth in Q one because of all the protein on the market. So oversupply relative to demand, bull up effect. Tyson chief executive officer Donnie King said in a Monday call with investors, from November to now, the demand didn't show up in fresh chicken, King said. So I'm wondering if the demand didn't show up from a standpoint of what the normal demand is or the demand didn't show up based on what their expectations were, because those could be two completely separate things. The earnings miss comes as prices for some meats have been tumbling from record levels and stockpiles swelled more than anticipated. Faced with surging prices and a lack of stimmies, which kept up demand for expensive proteins in 2021 and 2022, many consumers have since reduced their spending and switched to cheaper types of meat, such as buying ha- hamburger as steak instead of steak, which, as you guys know, doesn't show up in the CPI. Because of substitution. Chief Executive Donnie King said challenging said challenging market dynamics and some operational inefficiencies also hurt probability. Chicken production has been rebounding, resulting in more supplies but smaller profit margins for vertically integrated companies such as Tyson, the top US producer. Meanwhile, tighter supply of cattle, hogs were facing meat companies to pay more for livestock. Operating Margin pork fell 1.4%. Tyson's beef business, it's largest segment. Operating margins shrank to 3.5. Wow, look at that. Operating margins shrank to 3.5% from 19.1. Oh, man. Wow. Average beef prices fell by 8.5% compared to a surge of nearly 32% a year earlier. And this is what's so hard for people to really accept when I talk about disinflation. And what's funny is the backend analytics for if you have a YouTube channel, you can see how many upvotes you get relative to downvotes. And back in the good old days, like a year and a half ago, uh, YouTube actually showed that to you, which obviously they still should. But because of all the mainstream media outlets complaining and entities like the World Economic Forum and whatnot, that's my speculation. But definitely because of the mainstream media complaining, they did away with the thumbs down. So now all you guys can see just the thumbs up relative to views. It doesn't tell you whether the relationship or the ratio between thumbs up and thumbs down is like, is it 99%? Is it 50%? which is really unfortunate because you guys can't see you know, from a user standpoint how much people like or dislike the video. But my point is whenever I talk about disinflation or deflation, the the, the ratio in, in my videos is always a lot lower than it usually is. Like Usually it's about maybe 99%, especially on this channel, or maybe 98.5 or something. On the whiteboards, because they get so many more views, Usually it's like 98.5 or something. But if I talk about disinflation or like last Friday night, I talked about the Fed raising rates too high. And therefore, you know, we'd probably see some disinflation as a result. Uh, the, I only get the ratios like 97.5 or 98. I mean, it's almost the same. But you can definitely tell the difference and it's very predictable. And I think the reason why people get so upset when I talk about de, uh, disinflation is because people look at prices today and they compare it to 2019 or they compare it to what they were paying prior to this big, this last big swing in swing up in inflation. And they say, George, what are you just some sort of macro idiot? What are you some sort of fool and Dis- What are you talking about? I'm paying twice as much for my insurance today as I was in 2019. I'm paying twice as much for my grocery bill. I'm yes, yes, you are, you are. But disinflation or even deflation doesn't mean that prices go lower than they were in 2019. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not what it means. It means that prices go from where they are in 2019 up way higher. Absolutely. But if they go up to this level, let's say to where now there's this delta that people are complaining about, as they should but if inflation continues to go up, but just at a slower pace, that's disinflation. Now, nominal, sure, that's that's inflation, meaning it's, it's still going up in price, but it's not going up at the same rate. And then let's say we have some deflation. Now, I've talked about that. If we have a big black swan type event, like we saw in 2009, we had a bit a little stint of deflation. Well, that doesn't mean, again, that prices go back down lower than they were in 2019. It just means you go from here to here. And then you, let's just say, go from here to right here. (laughs) Prices are still way, 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 way higher than they were before, but they've gone down by, let's say that much. And I'm just calling it like it is, but for whatever reason, that really, really upsets people. And I think they get so emotional about it because, and it's totally understandable because they're struggling they're struggling to pay the bills. They're having to take on two, three jobs. So when some schmuck on YouTube that they usually uh, kind of see eye to eye with says that prices are going down while they're struggling to make ends meet, they're like, what are you talking about? F you, buddy. You don't know what it's like. And, and I, th- But that's where, as a sophisticated investor, Although I totally get that. I mean, I totally get that. But if we're just looking at it from a standpoint of investing and trying to set up our portfolio based on kind of what prices might do over 2023, we've got to kind of detach from that and understand that just because we might have some deflation or disinflation, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean at all that prices are, are going down lower or low enough to where it's going to be a lot easier for, for people to make ends meet. It's still going to be very... Even if we had deflation, it would still be very, very hard for the average Joe and Jane to make ends meet because of that delta we talked about. And most likely, their wages have not gone up at the same rate, especially if they're not taking handouts from the government. I mean, if they're, if they're doing the, the right thing, you know, if they're, if they're trying to be a responsible person... And if they're trying to contribute to society, instead of take from society, they're just getting absolutely screwed. And I get it. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're we're not having disinflation or in some areas here, as we can see, and in used car prices, and maybe in the real estate market, some actual deflation. Okay, let's keep going here. So it says softer domestic demand and higher live cattle costs in beef. Yeah, so they oversupplied. Demand gets crushed because it was a sugar rush, but yet all their input costs are still going up because the wholesalers haven't decreased their prices because they're trying to push that onto the retailers. They're trying to force the retailers to squeeze their margins before they squeeze theirs. Meaning the wholesalers. Tyson's average pork prices rose one point four percent, while sales volume declined seven point four. The company cut its outlook adjusted operating margins in pork to zero to two percent for fiscal twenty twenty-three, previous forecast two to four percent. So pork prices up slightly, beef prices down significantly, and then chicken, did they say chicken prices? I'm going to assume chicken prices were down as well. Yeah, I'm going to assume chicken. Wait a minute. I saw chicken. Yeah, I'm going to assume chicken prices actually decreased. And it's not that chicken prices were lower than what Tyson Foods had expected. Here's their balance sheet. That's interesting. Ah, so this is, yeah, this is just the revisions based on their expectations. Huh. There you see that margin compression. 19.1% on beef. 2.7%. I'll have to dive into this a little bit more because it's saying their margin on pork went from 10.1 to negative 1.2. Wow. I mean, if if that's, if those are actual numbers and, and not just kind of taking out of context because we're not seeing the whole balance sheet, that that's unbelievable. And I think the real takeaway here is if this is happening to Tyson Foods, this same thing most likely will continue to happen throughout the economy in other areas, in other businesses. What does that do to corporate profits? And what does that do to the unemployment rate? I mean, it's just so hard for me to reconcile story after story after story, just like this with the jobs number that we saw on Friday. Where the expectations were, George, did you see Jeff's video on the jobs report? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of what he's been saying. You had the establishment number, the household number; those were dramatically different. And then it, there was something to do with the population, how the the, the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics they changed the way they they somehow look at population. They found and the, that the net increase in population. Uh, based on the, the flaw in their current or in, the, or in their past process, they assumed that all those additional people that they didn't account for before were actually employed. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So then he said that basically they just put all of those numbers into the January report, making it seem like there was a huge jump in employment, but it was mainly that they were just accounting for more people in the workforce than they otherwise. Yeah. And yeah. then he said the real numbers besides that were very low. Well, maybe that's what's explaining this—just some some manipulation of the numbers. Uh, Basically, what Josh is saying, and I strongly encourage watching that video from Snyder, but uh, not using exact numbers here, but just to give you an idea of the concept. The Bureau of Labor Statistics—let's just assume they thought there were a million people in the workforce, and that's what they had been using for all of their headline establishment numbers. Now, all of a sudden, like this month, they discovered, oh wow. There's not a million, there's a million two in the workforce. And we don't really know if those 200,000 that we weren't accounting for before, but yet are actually there, we don't know if they're working or not. So we'll just assume they're working. (laughs) And then that's kind of how the the number was adjusted. And therefore, that's what we saw on Friday, according to Snyder. But still, there's a lot of employment data. Not just that, that would suggest, I mean, I guess with the employment data, it's a mixed bag. There's a lot that suggests the labor market is very tight. And there's some that suggest that it's just not really doing that well, that it's kind of just sputtering. But um, I can't believe that there's any data other than just manipulated data that would show the labor market being or, or the, yeah, I guess the labor market being solid while at the same time we're getting so much data i mean i was just on cnbc today and i saw that dell is firing like five percent of their workers you say oh george tech 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 yeah but look at amazon look what's happening to tyson foods are you going to say tyson foods is, is tech and i know they haven't announced or maybe they have announced layoffs and i just don't recall but I mean, I think after this, especially when you look at those margins, it would be very surprising if they didn't start laying off people ASAP if they haven't already done so. so this is, this is going to impact the real economy for sure. I just, when does it come out in the, the numbers? Who knows? Who knows? I had a live stream last night with the members from the mastermind group I have with Kenny McElroy and Jason Hartman. The mastermind group is called The Collective. And a lot of these people in the mastermind group are are big-time real estate investors. Like they own literally hundreds of properties. And I I, I love talking to them for a variety of reasons, but you really get a a boots-on-the-ground insider info as to what is happening with renters and what's happening with rents. Now, it is true, the majority of these people own properties in, in markets that uh, are landlord friendly. Therefore markets where a lot of people are moving. So they do not own properties in Oregon, Washington, New Jersey, Illinois. They own properties in places like Texas, Tennessee, Florida, Arizona, etc. So they, their view of the overall market might be slightly skewed, but they're telling me that their, their rents have softened a little bit but their occupancy rates are still extremely high. But what they have seed, seen explode is people using some sort of welfare benefit to help them pay rent. So, and I, what's weird is I didn't even know this was a thing, but like one of the people said that a lot of their tenants lately have been using some sort of government program. And these are programs that go all the way back to, to COVID, by the way, that I, that I don't think any of you – know about and i sure as heck didn't know about them but one of these programs i I forgot the acronym it was like caps or something like that and it's like the community this or this or this you know and they got this huge pile of money from uh the survey sickness from the federal government and now they're starting to divvy up the, the the free goodies to the people in the local community that say that they were somehow impacted by covid I'm, I'm guessing this is how it works. And then those people are using those rent stimmies to go ahead and afford the $2,000 a month rent or whatever this person is charging. So I, I think, I know this is kind of off topic, but on the demand side, we are trying to figure out, you know, based on all this economic data that would suggest the economy is doing very poorly, why when you go to the mall, it's just absolutely packed. Now, again, it may be because they're just in states where everyone's moving, but uh, it's, it's kind of a head scratcher. And the conclusion we came to is there's probably a lot of aggregate demand that's still working through the system from all of these boondoggle government programs that were set up back in 2020 and 2021 that people are still using to kind of work the system. So anyway... Food for thought, no pun intended. And I'd, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say in the comments here. So on that note, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. We'll See you in the next video.